Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Debate Night podcast with Brody Smith and Hunter Thomas. Uh, just to give you a quick rundown of how this show is going to work, basically every single episode we're going to start it off with 10, 15 minutes of just Brody and I talking through some topics, some current things going on in the disc golf world, and then we're going to open it up to hear from you all, our audiences. So basically tonight we're going to be doing that through Twitter Spaces on Brody's Twitter, where we are going to be just welcoming in whoever wants to hop in, bring up topics. I'll be more of the moderator during that time and let Brody and whoever's jumped in kind of debate, go back and forth. And then after we have, you know, 30, 40, however long that minute, that time goes, um, we're going to jump back into a kind of a wrap-up show, talk about whatever good points are brought up and stuff like that. Uh, but first off, really quick, Brody, um, I got to know, how are you feeling uh, with COVID right now? Give us a quick update with everything that's been going down. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't know if this was actually going to happen today or not. Um, we had planned it, I think, earlier in the week to do it tonight. And, uh, yeah, I woke up with like a 101.8 fever or something like that, but been resting, taking the ibuprofen and Tylenol every two hours and cycling and taking some ice baths and cold showers. And so the fever broke. We'll see if it lasts. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm getting crushed because I have Lyme. And so now COVID is like really killing me. Um, but it's not fun. It's not fun. And, uh, unfortunately, Ledgestone's going on, uh, going on right now and I'm not able to be there. I was hoping to be able to go to Idlewild, but now that's even up in the air because, you know, I don't, I don't know when I will technically not be positive with COVID. Yeah, it's definitely a unfortunate situation, but at least you were able to kind of catch it and it wasn't something where you we're on tour and yeah, you know, a much bigger situation that it could have been. Or you just get um, stuck somewhere. What? Oh yeah. I didn't even think of that. You, you know what I mean? I can't, cause I wouldn't be able to see that's my medicine right there, but I'll be all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> if I, if I would have gotten it somewhere, I, th- I don't, I would have not been able to come home. Yeah. I did not even think of that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's very fortunate that you were, you were at home when this is all, uh, all kind of went down. Yeah. Um, but let's get into to a few topics here, quickly go through. I know one topic that you had brought up that you really wanted to touch on was course pars mm. and kind of what they should be on a championship level, what that should look like. So why don't you walk us through in your mind kind of what is the ideal par or hole layout on a, a championship level course? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you say championship level too, I think that's an, that's an interesting that's an interesting thing because I think when you say that, you probably are meaning more for like pros, right? Like for Correct. the pro I'm meaning tour. more on the tour. Yeah. Yes. Where if you said championship level, if you said that in golf, they would be thinking of majors, or you know, which would be equivalent to USDGC and Worlds. So I, I think that's something that's kind of different too is like w- this notion that there can be uh, courses that technically are championship level that needs to be like above everything else. And then there should be a level of where it's just like pro tour stuff and, or where the pro tour can come in and adjust some of the T's and whatnot to make it, uh, more of a pro level course versus what it might be with the normal T pads. So when it comes to that though, the reason why I think there should be some sort of standard 
with the par is because I think when the par gets real low, it gives the ability to have someone just be able to go out and only have to throw a couple good shots to score well. And the way I kind of explain this to to others is if me and you were to play, right, and you wanted your best chance to beat me, you would probably want to play me at like a par 54, 18 hole course where you know you can birdie every single hole, right? So every hole is less than 300 feet. You could pro- you mm-hmm. probably think, all right, I have a good chance because you only have to throw 18 shots and then the rest is putting. But if we went and played a par 70, now you're having to throw 36, 37, 40 shots and then the rest is putting, right? Potentially. Um, mm-hmm. I think that makes it a lot harder. And one thing that a lot of people have talked about in disc golf that you're looking for is the score separators, right? More score separation between people. And when you start adding in more par fours and par fives, you start adding in the score separators because now on a par three, if you throw a good shot and someone throws a bad shot, you might both end up with a three. But on a par four, if you throw a good shot and the first person throws a bad shot off the tee, there's more likely for that person that threw the bad shot to either get a par, bogey, or double where you could either probably get a birdie or par. So I think watching it from a fan standpoint, also like you're going to see more golf. You're going to see more shots. You're going to see more... uh, players having to strategize and think about everything. Oh man, it is storming behind me. Um, (laughs) And my question, and this is what my question is mostly every time someone says like, that's not how we do it. This is disc golf. This is how we do it is why, why, why play a par 60 course or a par 62 course or a par 64 course? Why not have all the courses be par seventy or higher? And yeah, and I mean, that's I, the question of like, what's the reasoning? And if the reasoning is space, I don't think that's a good answer. If the reasoning is uh, because rounds would take so much longer, I don't think that's a good answer either. Yeah, I think originally the the reasoning probably was space for a lot of the courses that were in the ground because uh, disc golf generates or started in like public parks to where space was hard to come by to where a lot of times you had to cram 18 holes into what realistically nowadays you'd barely be able to fit nine holes in. Mm. Uh, but I think a lot of what you're saying is true because there's a local league here that's at a pitch and putt. And once you get to like a certain skill level, like once you're playing the local, like local scene as a pro, you just don't go to this league anymore because it gets very frustrating to show up and have rec and intermediate players slapping you around because (laughs) all you have to do is throw a 250 foot shot and so the winning score is consistently like 14 under par 12 to 14 under and yeah you should be shooting that every time but so is 10 other people whereas if you take the same group and you go out to a much harder course where like new london for instance then the best players are going to rise to the top because now we're talking about a par 68 that i personally can't even break 80 on Mm -hmm. um and so I think that's kind of what you're talking about on the pro tour. It might look a little bit different where, but there are still some of those courses where hot rounds are 15 under. And when someone's shooting a 15 under, there's literally only three strokes that you can gain on them. And that's mm-hmm. a perfect round at 18. Whereas when the hot rounds is seven or eight under, 
Now, if you're able to pop off and shoot a 11 or 12, which on some of these courses is an insane round, but it's much more feasible to kind of make that ground up. And I think that makes for more exciting golf. Exactly. And it allows the top players to really show why they're the top players. And Um, and did you, you watch some of the coverage today? Yes. Okay. So I think this course, uh, Eureka sets up to where you're seeing, you know, people shooting double digits, right? There was a handful of people that ended Mm -hmm. up shooting double digits. But if you scroll down, there are some top name guys that are shooting four, five, seven, nine over par, right? Mm-hmm. To where now you're starting to get these huge gaps. And I think a lot of that has to do with this course. If you're not in the right position off the tee, you now have a decision to make where what you were just talking about of where if it's a par 54 pitch and putt. There's no, you're not, there's no decision making every single shot, mm-hmm. every single tee shot. You're going to try to park it. It's a par three. You're trying to, you're trying to birdie. There's no situation where it's a par four with a water carry on your second shot and your first shot hit a tree and dropped. And now instead of what you're used to 250 in, now you have 350 and now you have to actually think like, should, should I go for it still? Or should I lay up? Like, I think that's where you'll start seeing big differences. And for me, that's where I've noticed the big difference between me having a, a good round and a bad round is the good rounds. I will continue continually put my tee shots where they were in practice. And so I'm never really putting myself in a position of where like, I don't know what to do. My bad rounds are normally the ones where I'm putting myself in a position where I have to make a decision. And unfortunately the lack of experience and stuff like that, I'm making the wrong decisions a lot of times. And that's where you can kind of start getting bigger numbers. Now I, I got to mention this, you know, you're just talking about Ledgestone going on and you're talking about Lake or yeah, oh, Eureka Temp being a course separator. Tomorrow we're going over to Northwoods black. Uh, and what I specifically want to know about this course is I've been hearing some pros, including Ricky saying, if you could guarantee them a two under par every round, they'd be happy. So is there a scenario, and this might be it, we haven't seen it yet, is there a scenario where courses can be too hard? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like obviously par is relative, right? And people always say that. It doesn't really matter if the winner's 30 under, if the winner's 10 over. And I get that. But the thing that's not... The thing that needs to be addressed is score separation. So as long as there's score separation where, you know, someone is playing really, really well and they're shooting one over and then, you know, if you have a bad day, you shoot eight over, nine over, that's, that's good. That's, you know, eight shot score separators. That's awesome. What you don't want to have happen is where, you know, someone plays, you Ideally, you don't want to see people, if you look at like the top of the leaderboards and stuff, you don't really want to see them like always shoot within the same uh, stroke or two, Mm -hmm. right? So like you don't want to have a course where Ricky's like, at worst, I'm shooting nine under, at best, I'm shooting 12 under. Because then like that, it's just not as exciting versus like, Having a course where it's like, if I have a bad day, I can shoot even par. If I have a good day, I can shoot 12 under. Now that's going to be probably a little bit more exciting because you're not guaranteed anything going into you know the next round. 
I thought you were yeah, going to go a different final... route with the. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, even on the final day uh, on the course, like the scenario you just painted, it's a lot more exciting because even on the final day, then if someone's five, six, seven strokes out on the course where you can mm-hmm. shoot even or you can shoot 12 under, there's a chance there. Whereas if you're playing a course where you're shooting 15 under on the final day, if you're five strokes out, you got no shot. You're, you're not shooting no. 20 under to catch the leader. No chance. See, I thought you were going to go and talk about the uh, the first time I saw this today, and I, I immediately screenshot it and sent it to you guys. We don't get to see any of the front nine at Northwoods, and I don't know if you I broke up missed a little bit it. there. What'd you say about the front nine? Oh, the oh, coverage on the front nine. The coverage of the front nine. We don't get to see any of it. Yeah, and I don't know. No, so from if what I, I understand. They they made an announcement about it, but from what I understand, they're they're gonna try to like have a highlight type package um, where they'll sneak some of the coverage in. What that's exactly gonna look like, I'm not sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I, the I, FPO I in they too showed late for FPO four shots. They showed like four or five shots. Okay, so that's what they're cover- considering like a highlight package. That's that's all I saw. I saw like four or five uh, shots. I, I mean, uh, by the time Paige, I tuned in, they were on the back nine. Page Page got an eagle on the par five. She like threw a shot in from two hundred plus, and we didn't even see it. They just mentioned it. Oh geez, see, so that's a question: is in a scenario like this, should this course be on the Pro Tour? If the Disc Golf Network is the Pro Tour's focus and that's their plan going forward, uh, and there's a course where the whole front nine can't be covered. Should it even be a course on the Pro Tour at, at this current moment? I mean, you, you would have to think there needs to be some sort of like uh, checklist, right? Of like, these are the things that we require from for, for you to be able to host a Pro Tour event. And you would think based off of their business model, being able to film live would be like the number one thing mm-hmm. so i i saw that this morning and i was like what I, it didn't make any sense to me so i don't i don't know i don't know what other people are thinking about it if i haven't really seen that much on social media of, of like an outrage or people being upset you know for paying for something and only being able to get half the product um i know because you know, they play the FPO plays a different course than Eureka. They're able to split the streams. And I know you're a huge advocate on that. And I think that's always a great thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, the nice thing I would say is at least for the MPO side, they finish at Eureka. So you'll be able to see the full, um, the full tournament, I guess, final round. Mm-hmm. But I believe FPO is finishing at Northwoods. So like, yes, I believe so. So your final round, you're just going to come in with the first nine holes already done. Yeah. And this is a, this is something that, this is something that dates back years, ever since they started using Northwoods, even at worlds, I believe it was like two years ago. Now this was an issue because I remember being out at worlds and, um, we were live streaming on Instagram, on our Instagram, mm-hmm. because we had decent enough service that we could live stream on a phone, but they didn't have decent enough service to go live, 
uh, like go fully live. And that year, I don't even think they went live at all. Um, I think they didn't even do the the back nine. I think they said if we could, we'll, we'll go live a little bit. But this was before Disc Golf Network, so there's a slight improvement where we're getting the back nine live. But I'm I'm just surprised. I don't know. Part of me thinks that it's because of the level of this course and they want the players playing this course, which that side mm-hmm. makes sense. But when the live coverage isn't there and you have thousands and thousands of people paying for this live coverage, and it's a course that we all want to see, uh, you know, it's not just the players want to play Northwoods, all the fans want to see Northwoods. Obviously, we're going to see it on post-produced, but we're paying for live. So all these people paying for live are, are kind of getting a little bit screwed because We'll never get to see that front nine unless we go watch the round twice, basically. Yeah. And so I think that there, it's definitely a decision that you're right. I haven't heard a ton of uproar about yet. Uh, they've done a good job announcing it, so it might just be people are going into the tournament knowing what they're getting, and so they're not going to complain a lot about it. If the final day was there, we would definitely hear a big stink about it because the people who normally just watch the final day, final day, that's yeah. where. Yeah, that's where we would hear a lot of stink about it. It might just be people are aware enough that they're not really that upset. Or they might be upset, but it's like, at least you told us ahead of time, so it wasn't a surprise. It's a small number, too. Like, you, you have to assume if, you know, 20,000 people are watching the final day coverage, that probably, like, less than half of that are watching Thursday, you know? So probably only, like, 7,000 people are even watching it. So it's it's a small group, so... Uh, it's not surprising that there hasn't been that crazy amount of people talking about it, but still I just thought, you know, as this is your business to like show live disc golf and you're only able to show half on, you know, the new course that's been hyped up and stuff. Um, I think that hurts a little bit. Yeah, I definitely agree. I was definitely surprised by the decision, but with that being said, it's time to jump in to some debates and uh, hear what everyone else has to say and what's going on in the disc golf world. All right, guys, we are now going to start taking some calls. We got Bryant coming in first here. I'm going to add him as a speaker. See what Bryant has to say. A little connection action. Connection was lost. Reconnecting. Oh, he's mute. Okay. All right, here we go. Bryant, what's up, man? Yo. I just I always chime in. Nothing really. I'm just at work. I I saw this pop up. I was like, man, I'm going to hop in here. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah, I just, I always see you uh, barking back at these like eggheads, man. Like, I really (laughs) think you should stop doing that. I really do. Like, I mean, you're doing, you're doing great things out there, man. Like, it's yeah. really inspiring to see someone be able to hop on the scene and then just kind of do their thing. And But, like, you're going to have haters, bro. Like, I don't know if you follow NHL at all, but there's this reporter, Elliot Friedman, man. Like, he always talks about the haters. He gets them all day, every day. Yeah. And he just laughs yeah. them off, man. He's, like, consummate pro. And, like, I respect that, in like, so much. And uh, I just feel like, man, like, you could probably take a page out of that book. So you're, you're saying stop – responding to the haters is what you're saying yeah man like you're just egging them on in my opinion they're just gonna keep doing it well like you well you said earlier there's always haters right and i agree with you um i'm not i'm not the biggest logan paul fan in the world but i did listen to an interview he just had recently and he said something that i was like oh man that actually makes a lot of sense he said that there are people out there that 
basically are going to tell you you can't do something. And he's like, it's my job to try to go out there and do it. And without that kind of black and white situation, uh, it gets really, really boring. If everyone around you was just telling you all the time, like, oh, yeah, you can do that. Oh, yeah, you can do that. It, it, there's no real reason for you to go out and try and do it because everyone's just telling you you can already do it. So to me... It would be one thing if you're letting the haters kind of get to you and you were like not showing up to tournaments because you're like, I don't think I should be there. I'm going to mute you real quick just because it sounds like you're doing some sort of kitchen stuff. Um, But I would say it'd be one thing if you were letting them get to you. But to me, sports, having that kind of pushback same thing as like going into a rival's arena and having to compete with everyone hoping that you lose. Like it's just that much sweeter when you can go in there and, and get the dub. So I see what you're saying a little bit, but the same thing you said that no matter what, you're going to have haters. So whether I ignore them or whether I clap back a little bit, they're always going to be there. And to me, the clapping back is kind of fun. So I'm probably always going to do it, especially if they say something stupid. So that's, that's kind of that. Um, I don't, you see, see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I just think I, I, it seems like it may get to you sometimes, like in my opinion, but you know, I'm also not you. So I just always wanted to ask yeah. you that. Man. Yeah. Well, I'll, 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 I'll say this. In 2010, every single person was rooting against Florida, actively rooting against Florida. We, we ended up winning the national championship. So doesn't really get to me. If anything, it fires me up more. So, Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I respect it. So, I yeah. mean, yeah. I just keep doing you, man. I also think it's really cool that you do this stuff, you know, reach out to your fans and stuff. So. Heck yeah. But awesome, man. Yeah, I'm going to get back to work, though. I'll, I'll chime in right. and listen. Take it easy, brother. Thanks for calling in. Peace. Noah, you are on. What's up, man? Oh, sorry. I was muted. Uh, just said uh, thank you for letting me oh. uh, be able to talk. Um, and I know you're looking for a debate. But just to kind of piggyback off the other stuff, I personally don't think you're letting the haters get to you. I think you're handling it very well. Um, and you're answering every single one of them. Uh, but if I had to say anything, it would be uh, the fact that you do have such a big following and um, I think a lot of us can appreciate that you're allowing us, the fans, the people who are actually watching uh, this golf and whether it be live or whatever, uh, you're letting us give feedback on that stuff and, and helping it get better. And so I just want to say uh, thank you for that. You know, as people that actually appreciate it, appreciate that. Thanks Noah. Cause I think, it, yeah, like I feel like there's not enough of that. Um, just to kind of go off of that, uh, there's not enough like feedback. And with what you're doing, asking people about, you know, whether we'd watch it live and stuff like that, uh, I think it will help the sport overall grow with the more feedback that we do give. Um, and so I think you're doing a good job of allowing people to do that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something that's kind of messed up right now, and and what is kind of holding back a lot of things is players cannot go out and play well in tournaments and make a living, right? 
they, for, for you to make a living in disc golf, you have to be able to sell discs or have like a big, have a big sign sponsorship with a manufacturer. And so what ends up happening is you end up having a lot of people that are just very cautious and very nervous to say anything because they know that if they say something that, uh, they're going to get pushback and they're going to potentially lose fans and potentially lose a lot of money. If you had, if you had it to where, you know, the purses were a lot higher, then there would be a lot. I think you'd start hearing a lot more from the pros because they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have any worry. Cause it's like, they're already making a hundred thousand dollars a year in, in tournament and but now it's like you ask some, yeah, you ask someone a controversial question, and they're all going to be very cookie cutter because they know if they say it the wrong way, that they're going to upset some people and they're not going to buy their disc. Where you know me, if you've been paying attention to me long enough, I could care less. You know, if you don't like me, you don't like me. That's fine. I'm not trying to go out there and make people that don't like me like me for no reason. Um, and, and I'm not worried about a thousand people not wanting to buy a get freaky zone because I said that, you know, I think post-production is killing the live coverage or whatever. Right. You know, like I'm just going to say what's on my mind and have, the, and I have the ability to do that. And hopefully down the road, more pros can come out and actually say how they feel. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, exactly what you said. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. It's, it's, exactly what you're trying to say at the end of the day it's you know it's their job they're trying to survive so they kind of have to go with that like you said cookie cutter style because you you never know what you could say and how it could affect other people exactly all right no appreciate it brother yeah thank you man thank you have a great night you too i'm trying to remember what james said james said something i read it on facebook at some point i can't remember what it was but I remember I read it and I shook my head. I wish I knew what it was so I could tell you right here. But I don't know what it was. I said something on Facebook? Yeah, it was something. I can't remember. But go ahead. What, what you got? Um, so we talked a little bit Sunday. Um, oh, by the way, hopefully you and Kelsey are doing well, you know, praying for your health. But um, oh. yeah, so you said Thank something you. Kelsey's Sunday. fine. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Um, so you said something Sunday about what players are throwing. I don't understand that. Can you elaborate on that point, and then I'll give feedback off that? Can you can you say that again? It sounded like you broke up a little bit. Sorry. Um, so you said there was an issue with that you have that commentators say what players are throwing during tournaments, during rounds, stuff like that on Disc Golf Network and um, potentially post-produce. But what's your opinion on that? Why do you have that opinion? And then I'll kind of share my thoughts again. I just want to get your thoughts again. Okay. I'm going to mute you because it sounds like you're in a car. And then when I'm done talking, I'll I'll mute you. Okay. Um, So he wants to know my thoughts on – live coverage, talking about discs and all that stuff. couple things. First, free advertising. Um, I think that's the big one is uh, 
if we're trying to get the purses as high as possible, if we're trying to get more money into the players' pockets for for competing and finishing high in tournaments. Um, you're going to want to try to get as much free advertising gone. You don't want to try to give away this free advertising. And that's essentially what you're doing. Um, I would say also, um, the second thing is a lot of times I don't know how useful that is to one, the viewer, because you have to also assume like for me, for example, I, I really only know Discraft. I know a little bit of Innova. I know a little Dismania, but I'm pretty much only know Discraft. So when you say a certain disc in, you know, if you say an MVP disc, I'm going to have no idea if that's a mid, a fairway driver, if it's overstable, understable. I have no idea. And so the, from, from a viewer standpoint, I think it should be less about the disc and more about the shot shape that they're trying to th- execute. Um, and, and I think that would also make the commentators have to discuss that more of like, hey, this, this hole is designed for an, an overstable fairway driver where they're going to throw a, you know, a flex line. Or this is designed more for a hyzer flip mid-range shot. Um, I think those things are going to actually give more information to the viewer than just saying like, oh, they're throwing a buzz. That's kind of my thought. But the free advertising is is one of the bigger things. Like you got to you got to you got to pay for for that. And if someone's constantly shouting out all your products and they're not paying for it, then it's going to make them less likely to pay. All right, we're going to un- unmute you. All right. All right, so free advertisement. All right, I'll hit that first. I get that point 100%. I don't think disc golf's at the point yet to where that really matters, in my own opinion, just basically because there's a lot of ways to look at it. There's a lot of people who it doesn't necessarily affect because you're doing you're trying to do it for all the players, right? They're not just nitpicking Innova or Discraft. They're doing it for MVP with James Conrad or Prodigy with Kevin Jones and Chris Dickerson, you know? Um, so really it's not like free advertisement really just for certain people. It's the top players. And that could also be an incentive on the hindsight, not really a big point, but for players to play well, get their companies looked at better. You know, it's just kind of like the same thing when it comes to, I'll take for instance, golf, right? Um, Tiger Woods, biggest player for Titleist for forever. I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, Taylor made, he was, Taylor made, sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, just for instance, yeah, sorry about that. But um, Taylor made, or really Nike too, but sponsorship through that. So the better they perform, the more and more their stuff should be able to be broadcasted to the general public. Um, advertisement, you, I get though. Free advertisement. So you think, you hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're saying the commentators the commentators is what really made people realize the clubs and stuff that tiger was using or was it the millions of dollars that taylor made put into advertising during the commercials social media videos all of that well <laughs> okay that's a valid point disc golf's not at that point yet 
You know, companies what? aren't going to put in millions of dollars to, okay. to be there yet. Because we're- it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be millions of dollars. But my point is, it shouldn't be on the commentators to be advertising dis manufacturers. It should be on the disc manufacturers to be advertising their players. That's my okay, point. Okay, so that's a good point, right? That, that, well, that's, I don't necessarily think that was the point you described. That's a good point. My, my, my comments... That, that is what I'm describing, though. It's free, it's free advertising. The, comment, the commentators are literally doing free ads. Okay, I don't necessarily say like it's not a free ad. It is a free ad. But at the same time, you're a sponsored player, right? So you said players don't know all the discs, right? You're not going to know Prodigy. You're not going to know Trilogy, right? Us amateurs and a lot of the people who are viewing it, because professionals aren't necessarily the main audience, you know? The viewers are the people who are going to go look at discs. We're more inclined to know more about other brands instead of one specific brand that we're sponsored by. So knowing that kind of stuff, knowing, okay, well, a Raptor is going to behave the same as a Firebird as the same as the FX2, you know? And that's the kind of stuff we can figure out on ourselves. And it's useful to say, okay, this is an overstable fairway. Okay, well, what are the overstable fairways out there? Okay, well, there's Raptors, there's Firebirds, FX2s, uh, all that kind of stuff, felons. That's being displayed through the broadcast, and it's a filler. At the end of the day, Ian Anderson spends more time on the back end to be able to give us that information. That's just bonus. It's nothing that is really necessary, but it's an add-on. I don't know if we're at the point where that add-on should be really, you know, nitpicked and say, no, 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 free advertising. You're helping out the, the, the disc manufacturer as well. I just don't think it, we're at the point in sport where that really matters. You're more so helping the players learn more about disc golf, building up the sport in general. It's more about the growth at this point, more about the exploitate or the um, the different ways manufacturers can make money. I, I my my main point. I don't I don't think saying dis names has anything to do with growth. I don't I don't think the I don't think more people are all of a sudden going to start playing disc golf because they're saying the dis name, and less people. I mean, heck, if you're watching live coverage, you're already a fan of disc golf. There's no one watching live coverage that's like. I don't know. I'm. I, I have no. Like you have to pay to watch it, unless it's Sunday YouTube round. But yes, sure. But I'm still saying if you're watching disc golf, if I'm watching that, and I've never seen, let's just say I've, I, I stumble upon some YouTube disc golf video, right? And I'm just like, oh, let me let me take a look at this. I'm not. Uh, my my decision of going out and playing disc golf is going to do nothing with them telling me the disc that they throw. Do you also think you have a unbi- or like a biasism towards that because you're a professional and also sponsored by a company? Because me being the amateur I am, not sponsored by anyone, I could throw really anything. I love to see different discs and see, okay, well, this is going to act the same as this disc. And you were talking about lines earlier and like they could say, okay, well, this is just your normal backhand uh, mid-range, right? Well, as we've seen definitely throughout Worlds and throughout this year, there are multiple different lines people can take with forehands. Thumbers, um, tomahawks, yeah. grenades. Yeah. Knowing what people throw with that kind of stuff, very interesting to know and not necessarily something we need to be like, oh, well, this is what you need for that. Oh, give us some discs for example. I think that is helping overall growth. 
I didn't really understand your point there. You're saying knowing what disc someone throws a thumber with is helpful? I mean, I would say so. Okay. It's just like saying, I, mean, I think so I think again like, kind of I think the focus should be more on the player and not the disc. I think the focus should be more on this the style of throw, the technique, um, the shot shaping, and not the disc. It takes two seconds to say a disc name, though. He's going to throw a Firebird right here. Okay. I I don't see how that really takes away from the player's focus. If anything, it highlights what what players tend to do. You can say, okay, well, the net shot, you know, this is kind of like the same thing. I bet you he's going to throw a Firebird. That's cool. Okay, get into the mind of the methodology of the player and what they're going to do. Okay. I think that... I just, I just don't agree that it, that is something that should be frowned upon. I think that's something that helps grow the overall knowledge of the sport and something you might not see as growing because you're a professional and more specifically sponsored by one company. I just don't think it's the overall fan view of that. I just don't think that's where that information should be given out. The same thing as like you, you kind of know a little bit about golf, right? You brought up Tiger Woods. Right. I watch a decent amount of golf, big George okay. Spieth fan. You you got clubs at home, right? Yes, some uh, $100 clunkers I got from okay. somewhere. Do you know what the loft is of your pitching wedge? I do not. Do you know what the lie is? The the lie? Do you even know what do you even know what a lie is of a golf club? The lie the live golf club, I have not. And I've been paying attention to golf for years. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my point a little bit is like you can go out and have fun playing disc golf with putters. You can have, go out and have fun playing disc golf with just mid-ranges. My buddy, he literally only plays with Avenger SSs, Buzzes, and his Roaches. That's it. And he plays tournaments locally. He's been playing for about a year and a half now and absolutely loves it. I don't, my point is like when you start saying all these different disc names and all this stuff, again, it's free advertising, but then ultimately too, like, I mean, I just asked you a question, the same thing with what a disc is, like the lion loft, the changing the lion loft in the club changes how the ball reacts coming off the club head. You had no idea what that even was in golf. So to me, it would be like, wait, how do you not know that? It'd be the same thing as me asking you, like, how do you not know what Ricky throws on this shot? How do you not know what Eagle throws with this shot? Like, it, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the stuff that's important, is what I'm saying. Okay, I guess we'll agree to disagree on that. I I just think you might and, have a different biasism towards it. All that needs I to happen. Part, all that I needs to happen. Part, but. All that needs to happen is then is one manufacturer decides to sue the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Because they feel like they weren't getting the same recognition, the same call outs and shout outs as all the other manufacturers. And then all of a sudden, I think you'd stop seeing it. Because there's what a right reason. Would they have to sue? What's that? What? Hello? Sorry, my mic was muted. Uh, what right does the. Uh, company have to sue 
for not for for feeling like they're not getting the same uh, coverage. Is what you're saying? Was what I'm saying? I mean, I just I don't get how having the same coverage is, you know, a right to sue from a company that's you know getting getting sponsorships. Yes, but how they divvy up the sponsorships is a totally different. You know, so I think I think that's a whole another worm wormhole we can get into. Not really the time or place. Okay, so but my, I don't see how the right they have the right to sue. Okay, so my question here here's a, my last question to you. Why why would like Discraft, Innova, why would any manufacturer pay because they're already doing this, which is actually kind of mind boggling, but why would they pay for more for more commercials, more ad space and stuff like that if they know that they're just gonna get free uh free ads the entire time? Because they know the value of um the thirty second ad is tremendously more than the value of just naming off a disc. I dis- right? I would it's disagree. Help grow the sport. I disagree. I mean, look at look at James Conrad and the shot he made. That disc all of a sudden got very very popular. Okay, well that didn't have anything to do with Disc Golf Network. Every would have everyone would have known what disc he threw in and post produce and vote and videos after that's my point that's my point my point is mvp saw that happen and they decided that hey we're gonna capitalize on this that's my point man my my point is when i do an instagram video i shouldn't be looking at the camera going i'm gonna throw this shot with my esp nuke Check out the ESP nuke, 175 grams. ESP nuke, and then I turn around, and I throw it. I sh- have you seen any? Have you seen any uh, any other sports athlete do any sort of social media like that? Does Steph Curry tell you what basketball he's shooting with when he does like a Instagram story? Does does just Jordan does not when he's not when he's just playing by himself? He can use whatever basketball he wants. Does Jordan speak when? When you watch Jordan Spieth do any sort of social media stuff, is he calling out the club he's hitting with? I think clubs and any other utensil in sports are a lot different than disc golf discs. I just told you well, you you don't know you don't know about the lion loft though. So it's easy for you to say that when you don't know that. You probably don't even know about shafts. I I mean I know about shafts. Um uh, that sounded bad. Um, I mean, I've I've watched the Open Championship. Every I, I think we can agree. I think we can agree to disagree. My point, though, is that is I think the manufacturers should be paying money to promote their discs. I think the manufacturer should be paying money to promote the discs. So if someone throws a six shot, it shouldn't be on the commentators to tell people what disc they use. It should be now on the manufacturers to post something on social media, which is actually going to ultimately help the player more because now they're getting a social media post from the manufacturer. I'll leave it at that. We, we might. I disagree with you. Have a great night. Take it easy. I mean, I yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll see if someone else has anything to add to that. It was actually kind of hard to talk to him because he was on the, uh, it, was, it sounded like he was in a car. But hopefully I made my point of where it shouldn't be on the commentator's job to promote a manufacturer. It should be on the manufacturer's job to promote the disc that was used. Uh, you know, if, if whatchamacallit goes out and wins a big tournament, 
It should be on the manufacturer to come out in a social media post and say, check out the bag that Adam Hammies or Kyle Klein or whoever just won the last Disc Golf Pro Tour event. Jack, do we got you? Yeah, how's it going? What's up, man? How you doing? Good. Thanks for having the debate night, man. It's good to be on here. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to jump in on the live versus post-produce. I mean, I've heard Griplock talk about mm-hmm. it a little bit. And mm-hmm. one complaint I don't hear them talk about is I don't feel like live gives you a sense of what the course looks like. In post-produce, you get a flyover before they throw every shot. And that really mm-hmm. gives the person a sense of what they're looking at. And I think being that the fan base of disc golf is so new, in reality, you have to have been watching Pro Tour for a few years to really know these courses without a flyover. So especially mm-hmm. on the free YouTube final day rounds, a new fan could log on, watch four tee shots and be like, I don't really know what a good shot looks like here. I mean, the commentators are saying it's good, but how would I know? I don't know what they're aiming for, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I... They- Live does something weird sometimes where they'll they'll have everyone tee off and then they'll do the drone flyover after everyone tees off. I'm not a fan of that. Um, one thing they can kind of do that some of the golf broadcasts do also is they'll do like three flyovers in a row. So they'll do like, hey, this is a really hard stretch, hole 10, hole 11, hole 12. And so you can see three holes that are coming up all at once. Um, but no, I'm with you. I think, I think being able to really show what the hole it looks like and what a good shot is and what a bad shot is, I think those things are crucial because if you're just watching and you have no idea what if it was good or bad, um, then you're kind of in no man's land. I know like certain courses like Eureka, um, I just watched today. You don't really have to even know the course that well. Uh, to have a good idea of whether it's inbounds or not. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I wish they did do the flyovers before uh, the people teed off. Yeah, I think kind of that factor, I think, plays into the hands of disorienting the audience a little bit. And I think that kind of unfairly puts some of the blame on the commentators. So, you know, I see all these things about people wanting the commentary to be better. And in reality, I think, the commentary is really good. I think everyone who does the live commentary does a good job and they're pretty professional about it. I think they get a bad rap because they're not telling jokes like Big Germ and Yuli and Nate. No, Sprecher. no, I hope not. That that should not be that should not be the reason why people think the commentary is bad is because they're not telling jokes. I agree with you there, and I think that that's part of what it is because disc golf fandom is grown up kind of with jomez where it's like oh it's this like funny happy hour kind of thing and now when commentary is serious all of a sudden these people are like oh this is boring which is like hey if you want to be a professional sport the commentary has to be professional and digestible and i think comparing jomez and live coverage it's like it's not the same product you can't put those two commentary styles in the same it's really not even close but i think both do a good job obviously but you can't really complain about Disc Golf Network's commentary when it's just it, when you're comparing it to Jomez. They're two different products. Yeah, I'll say this. I think I think not having pieces um, is something that really is lowering the the product of the live. 
Um, I just watched the entire FPO and MPO today and there wasn't a single piece. And what I mean by that is you literally just saw coverage. So you saw shots and then you saw a leaderboard with a B-roll shot behind. And then you saw the, the commentators, the announcers. That was it. Those were the three things you would see. There was no backstory pieces of like, of like the course. There was no backstory pieces of players. There was no, there was nothing. Um, I think they did show in the MPO. I think they did show uh, a couple highlights from Ben Callaway playing like a couple tournaments and showing that he's been playing decent. That was that was okay. But there needs to be more like pieces. There needs to be more like having someone voice over some sort of like journey of like this play or something just to kind of break it up. Cause I'm with you. I think a lot of times the commentary is not as bad as the fact of like what they're having to deal with and what they're having to work with. One thing I will say though, that the commentary needs to stop doing is you got to stop rooting for people, man. You, you got to stop. You're, you need to be unbiased. If a disc hits and starts rolling, you got to stop yelling at the disc to stop rolling if someone hits and misses a putt you can't go oh man oh i feel so bad for that person like no 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 you, you gotta you gotta stop with the like the rooting for people you you gotta stop it because it's it's it is a bit cringy watching that it it makes it feel a little bit small time to hear that and on to that point one thing i i was I don't know. They probably have done this forever, but I really noticed it today on Ledgestone coverage is I would like them to stop using first names of players just because they know them. Right. Like the average fan doesn't want you to like mm. come on and hear you say, all right, Ricky's stepping up here or we got Ben stepping up for a shot. And then, and they're like last name, right? Last name. And cause you know, you don't hear like, you know, I grew up a bulls fan, right? So you didn't mm-hmm. grow up like watching the bulls and they, they said, you know, Rose for three. They didn't say Derek for three. You know, no, you really yeah. have to. It has to be professional across the board. And again, I think they're doing a good job for evolving the sport. I don't want to be too hard on them because I think that you know none of us could probably do any any better in no. that, right? No, but you gotta have you gotta have. I mean, I'm sure that they they listen to feedback for sure. And if it's good and it's something that they can implement, they're gonna do it. Um, but if everyone just sits back and doesn't ever speak up about anything, now you're now they're potentially missing out on something that could be good. Um, I will say this: I did say uh, I, I sent this to the group chat today. I said uh, Ian, when he commentates, he almost seems like that friend that wants to let everyone know that he has like the inside jokes. You know, where it's like someone someone will make a joke, and you're like. You're like, what? I don't get it. It's like, ah, it's an ins- you got to know, man. It's an inside joke. If you, And it's like, I don't know if that really should be how commentators should operate of where it's like, like you said, like saying nicknames or first names or like small little things of like, uh, I, I think someone threw a, a, a putt today and it hit off the band and they're like, oh, that was like a Calvin Heimberg thing. And I was like, what? I was like, that wasn't even Calvin. And I guess it was because Calvin Heinberg a while ago talked about how he aims at the band when he puts. But it's like certain things like that. Like, I just don't know how. I don't know. I don't know. 
Small, small stuff, but it makes a big deal over a long, uh, over a, a entire broadcast. Yeah, and I, I think kind of I'll kind of wrap up my last thought here is like, mm-hmm. man, there's people who have opinions and feedback, and like what what I am trying to start doing is I'll just send an Instagram DM to the Pro Tour and just be like, hey, I think you guys are doing great. Here's one thing I noticed, and like they read that, they might not respond to it, but like if, mm-hmm. if people see something like it can't hurt to just send a friendly text just like or a friendly dm and just say hey i think uh thanks for the coverage you guys uh i think it would be really helpful if you did flyovers before tee shots that would be great have a good one mm-hmm. like I, I think there needs to be more of that instead of like just tweeting like this coverage is trash you know yeah yeah i mean i i i have a pretty good relationship with them and and um like I said, the Disc Golf Pro Tour has definitely the interest on the pros and the fans, which is awesome. Um, I think they, they're an organization that knows that it starts with the pros. You got to make it to where the pros are happy, and then uh, you got to make sure the fans are happy. And so I think they are doing the right things. And, you know, again, this is very early on, and I think if you – saw what they did last year to what they did they have done this year huge improvements and if anything seeing more people kind of speak up about it and being like we want more we want more that's probably a good thing because that means uh that they're actually interested in the product if they weren't interested in the product they probably just wouldn't be saying anything yeah absolutely yeah so. well yeah well th- that's kind of all i had so thanks for uh having me on and i appreciate you having the podcast in the first place Heck yeah. Thanks, Jack. Yep. Get better, man. Ha- have a nice one. We got Johnny V here. A little insider info with the Disc Golf Pro Tour. We'll see what he has to say. Yo. Just one more guest. I get to be the final guest, Brody? <laughs> yeah, I saw you on here and I figured, I figured I'd add you on for the final one. Oh, thanks. I literally just... I was a little busy today. I just, started, I just tuned in. I got home in the eights real quick. So um, I, f- I figured you were probably a little busy. Uh, real quick, and I don't know what's been talked about because I, like I said, have been on for the last five minutes, but uh, the last caller, so to speak, uh, brought up some really good points and I, that I, I do agree with. Um, one of the things I'll, I'll push back a little bit on is the, the nicknames. I think there are certain players where you can get away with first name bases. You're Ricky, you're Paul, very similar to Tiger, Phil, Sergio kind of thing. Yeah. I don't mind that as much. Yeah. I wouldn't call Ben. Ben Callaway, just Ben. You would call him Callaway or something like that. There are a few players you can get away with uh, with doing first names, and it doesn't sound awkward or we- or strange or weird. But uh, yeah, but there definitely are there are definitely are some people like that for sure. And then uh, there are some where it's like the nicknames and stuff. That it's not very common nickname. It might be like an again, it's like something that you know their close friends call him that. And so when you're like, Oh, that's what me and me and his close friends call him. It kind of sounds weird on a broadcast. Agreed. I but, would never, I would, I would cringe so to speak. And I hate that. I personally don't like the term cringe, but I, I would feel that way. If someone started calling uh, Calvin like Chimeborg or something on the broadcast, right? Pulling out, yeah. pulling out those nicknames is, is, is awkward. Um, I do think we could do uh you were saying pieces or uh, stories. I think we could do mm-hmm. that. I think we could definitely be better at that. And it's something that we've um, 
we've talked about, we see what we, we call them VOs, their voiceovers. It's where we're playing highlights yep. and things like that from other rounds in previous weeks. Uh, we could be better at that. We could be better at getting story-based ones, you know, really talk about a player. That's a lot of, that can be a lot of effort and a lot of work. And I know the Pro Tour is working on getting that type of stuff set up. But one of the issues I think that people will have is, so you play a piece like that and let's say it's two to three minutes you're almost guaranteed to be falling behind in shots. And I think what, what uh, the worry is for some people is missing shots, you know, when on a, yeah. on a feature, people, people, and, and I'm not necessarily this way. Cause today we left out two or three, um, uh, uh, Hamas shots because the dude was tanked mm-hmm. and there's, yeah. no, there's no reason to cut back to him. If we're on something else, you know, do you really need to see, see him throw a 250 foot approach after he just won OB and he's like full yeah. over par? He, he's, I think he's not part of the story anymore. I think that's you guys getting people because right now people are more, I would say more disc golf viewers are used to the post-production where they're watching four people and they're watching every single shot. I think you guys have the ability to start changing really what a disc golf broadcast looks like and what that because i mean right now you guys are only following uh three cards three 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 to four yeah three to four cards depending what's happening we're trying we're slowly trying to push away from card coverage and make it more event or story or player coverage because yeah you know just this morning with fpo that we ended up not going with our quote unquote featured card because the featured card was not playing well. So we migrated our, our, our cameras. We ended up uh, going three cameras on this, what would be considered the second feature card or tomorrow, the chase card um, Mm -hmm. because they were shooting better. And it was a much, it was much more compelling to watch people actually shoot under par than even to over par. Yeah. What what I'll say is just like you start thinking about, the disc golf pro tour getting bigger and bigger and bigger to where today you guys would have shown drew Gibson. You would have shown uh, Cole, you would have shown uh, Calvin in the morning. You would have shown um, all these other players. And when you, when you're now saying, okay, we're going to be showing all these other players, something has to give, right? It's not like you guys have more airtime, um, so yeah, if you were, people, if people already yell joking at us that they're not, they don't have time for a four hour broadcast. Exactly. So, so right now you're only showing like at max, let's say 12 players in a four hour broadcast. What's going to happen when you're showing 45 players in a 12 person broadcast? Like what people need to realize is it's a story and there's certain things that matter and there's certain things that don't matter. Um, if you're if you're way out of it, you, you, like even Ben Calloway, Ben Ben probably would not have gotten shown if you guys had more cameras, and you would have literally have only shown Ricky and uh, who's the other one on that card? Uh, I've got I didn't, um, for once I didn't Ricky show, so it was Adam, Ricky Hamas. Uh, oh, blanking. Oh. Uh, uh, Hamas, I can't believe I'm, I can't believe I'm blank, blanking on this. <laughs> I guess that's but good. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying is like when, when it starts getting that you guys start telling a story, and I think too, like people people just want to see shots 
that are good. Um, you know, if, if, if someone misses a 25 footer and you have it filmed in case like you need to go and show them making that shot, that putt for birdie and they miss it, you don't need to go and show that miss anymore. Like you're just like, all right, we don't, we're not going to cut to that. Um, and you're just showing kind of what the story looks like. And, and the story today was Ricky drew Paul, Chris, uh, it was Chris Dickerson. That's who it was. Um, but that the, the story basically was Ricky drew Paul, Chris, Cole, Calvin Eagle. Like those are, those are the storylines. And then you kind of can mix in some of these others, um, on how they did too. And like, if someone threw a crazy shot on a hole or threw it in or whatever, maybe someone had a blow up hole. Like that's fun to watch too. Um, I think, I think the, the sooner you guys can kind of start getting people more comfortable with that kind of coverage, the easier it will be because there's no, there's no world where we're going to be watching every single shot from the feature card. Is it, that just doesn't exist down the down the road. You're you're 100 right, which is why you know we always, or me personally, I compare post production to more of like a, a podcast. You know, people are tuning in to Jomez. Uh, I mean, of course, to watch some of the golf, but they're tuning in to sit and hang out with their buddies who are now yeah, it's a hangout. Paul, Yuli, and Sexton, like they're or Paul, Yuli, uh, uh, Big Germ, Yuli, and Sexton. Like, that's their crew. They're hanging out, joking, laughing, watching. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. big reactions, this and that. That's not what live is for. You know, people, mm-hmm. we want the live to be much more serious, um, a, a more, prof- I, I hate to use the term professional because Jomez isn't, they put out a professional product, but the commentating to be more uh, standard professional sports. Yeah. Um, and disc golf is funny because it's such a, we, we've said before, it's such a fast sport that it really kind of locks you in sometimes because Callaway could be out of it, but he's third on the box. So getting one, two, and then trying to find a way to cut away just to come back for four, whoever's fourth on the, on the tee can be very difficult just because the tees are so fast. Um, we, <laughs> yeah, we, I think... we would need to be living more in, in almost replay. replay. You're yep, hundred percent. We need like, Right now, we've got one replay guy and then kind of one and a half because whoever's doing switching the show um, is doing a little bit of replay as well when they need to, when the other guy can only cover because you can only watch so many cameras. So I think I think most like of the shots three in, or four. Yeah, I think most of the shots in golf broadcasts are um, are replay. Yeah, they're very rarely live, I think, except when you're coming down the stretch usually because there's not much yeah. else to go to. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulling those in certainly. Uh, will be that way, and at some point, obviously, we'll you know we'll get there, be able to kind of pick and choose what we want, what we want to show. Um, but yeah, and yeah, and this I'll say this too. Last thing is, I think if the Disc Golf Pro Tour, if the network, if the network sh- switched to this format down the way, when it makes sense financially, where live coverage is free, okay. So if you want to watch the broadcast, it's free on YouTube. It's free where, wherever they end up doing it. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe ESPN buys it out and that's awesome. But if you want to pay the $5 or whatever it is for the Disc Golf Network, that's where you can see every single shot from the feature card. It's a separate, a separate stream. And so if, you, if your favorite player is on the feature card and you want to see every single shot, boom, you can you can use the disc golf network to watch 
uh, the, the feature card every single shot. Um, so that way you give, give the viewer the ability of do they want to watch the broadcast or do they want to watch every single shot of their favorite disc golfer? Hand, hands down. And one of the things I've been pushing for for us to kind of try is an exclusive to Disc Golf Network, which is literally um, on Twitter. I posted a, a quick video of like just the control room and you could see what we call like the quad shot, the multi-view. I want to post mm-hmm. that. I could push that to the broadcast. So you could literally see all the cameras we're seeing live yeah. and just make an exclusive to Disc Golf Network and you get the raw, you, know, you get the cameras walking around, you get the cameras, you know, posting yep. up just because this, there are people that want to see everything. And, you know, we might not show, even though we're, we got cameras on the second card, that might not be who we want to show, but maybe you want to see you leak, you know, <laughs> have an awful round or something along those lines. I'd love to kind of post that as an exclusive and just see how yeah. what, the re- what the reaction is to it. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I think you look at like March Madness, they do that a lot too. You know, they have tons and tons of different, I mean, heck, you can just like watch ref cam or something. I think was one of the things where it was like literally the video coming from the ref. So yeah. All right. Well, sweet. Thanks for jumping on. Of course. Appreciate I'll, it. I'll sit and listen for a little bit more. <laughs> all right have a good night you too man all right and that wraps up the debate sh- part of the show i thought there were some great points um brought up by basically everyone i i was a little scared when we started uh <laughs> i was like man we're just gonna get people just singing brody's praises and no one's gonna want to bring some real topics but it shout out to james happens. shout out to james he i thought did a great job representing the counter argument to your um disc naming and commentary uh and one thing that i kind of learned throughout this is i agree with your point but i think we agree i think we think the same way for different reasons um because some of the time some of the stuff you were explaining to him i was i was agreeing with him on uh and one of the points that he kind of brought up was a viewers will know the disc being referenced that's somewhat true some of the new viewers will have no idea if you say firebird fireball uh photon Means that means nothing, nothing to yeah. some new players. To more advanced players, you know, I could probably tell you the flight numbers to all of those, mm-hmm. which obviously that's pointless information, but more advanced players will end up knowing that information. But what I think is knowing that information can be misleading because I actually talked about this on Grip Locked where back in the day, uh, I kind of got burned by this because there was all these in the bags and then there was also all these commentators and you had Philo and even Paul, and I'm um, trying to think of who else. There's all these great Innova players, and they were all throwing the T-Bird. And their T-Bird would flip up for them and ride dead straight, and it was a beautiful flying disc. So I, being a newer player, wanted that disc. So I went out and I bought a T-Bird, only for it to fly like a Firebird or a Raptor. Because what they were leaving out in the commentary and in the, in the bag was they have been beating that T-Bird up for years. And me as a viewer had no idea that they're throwing a beat-in T-Bird that had been in their bag for four, five, six years. I just knew, hey, they're throwing a T-Bird. If I go buy a T-Bird, it's going to fly like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they would have said kind of in your scenario, a neutral fairway or a slightly understable fairway, I might end up landing on the Leopard 3 or the Correct. TL, which would have flown Correct. like that T-Bird for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I think from the viewer point of view, where, yeah, it can be helpful because it can be like, oh, that was sick. Paul just threw that shot with a Luna does is that really that information that much more helpful than that was sick paul just threw that shot with a putter um and also you don't know what his luna actually flies like compared to your luna so i think that's where i have the biggest you know 
we agree we fully agree on the free advertising side, but I think the secondary side for me yeah. is I think it can be very it misleading to people building their bag. It actually hurts yeah. players. Um, and one thing that I'm really excited about with our store opening is ha- having the ability of talking to players that come in and and giving them potentially the a better disc in their hand because they might be coming mm-hmm. in and saying, "Hey, I want I saw blah blah throw this. I want this disc." And then I can ask them questions like, okay, well, like how fast do you throw? And maybe they don't know. Maybe, maybe we get a net set up or something like that to where we can actually start seeing like the, dis- the speed of – but like that's what they do in golf. If you really want golf clubs to give you the best chance to score, you're going to go in and they're going to fit you. They're going to see how fast you swing. They're going to see how upright you are. They're going to they're gonna fit the club specifically for you. And I think going – the disc golf way right now, you just see a player throw a disc and you're like, Oh, that that's why, that's why I'm not throwing. Well, I don't have that disc. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not the case. It's not the case. So no. I agree with you. I think, I think sometimes it could hurt people because they feel like, Oh, if I just got this disc, I mean the whole Heiser flip thing. I never understood that when I first was playing, I was like, how are they, how the heck are they Heiser flipping a force what because like mm-hmm. all my forces were brand new very overstable i'm like are these guys really throwing it that hard and then you like play rounds practice rounds with the, them and you like you're like oh that's not really even a force that's like no that's like a pretty understable distance driver so um it's the same thing in golf they do this sometimes in golf where they'll be like uh, blah, 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 just hit a drive 370 yards. And you're like, oh my God, these guys hit the ball so far. But they don't tell you that. It's like super downhill. And the fairways on these PGA Tour courses are like super thin cut. So your ball just rolls for days where if you're playing on a normal golf course, your ball gets like five yards of roll instead of 40. So uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where he's coming from as well that disc golf i could see his where he was coming from on disc golf might not be there yet toughest part for me with that argument is when do you know that we're there i hate like when when is disc golf officially there (laughs) that's my biggest thing is like when is the line crossed it's like oh now we're here like that's such a hard part to to line it's not like you're you're living in an apartment and someone's like dude why don't you just buy a house and you're like i'm just not there yet you know because that's like a financial thing like you financially can't afford a house like I yeah, there's like specific goals you're reaching. Yeah, not naming a disc. I to to give away free advertising. I don't understand why. If you're like, well, we're not there yet. I don't know why that that doesn't even make sense. But why why is stop why if you know eventually you're going to be in a point of where you can't do this, and if you stop doing it right now, nothing really changes that much. Then why why not just do it right now? That's what I don't get. Yeah. Is if you know eventually yeah. it has to happen and there's nothing that's really going to change, just just do it. Pull the band yeah. off. And you, you, also, you also brought up the point of, you know, you think that they might be hurting the, like, why would someone pay for a 30-second ad when they're going to have call-outs, right? Um, and one counter-argument that I didn't hear him make, but I have heard elsewhere and I wanted to bring up to hear your response to, is if I'm, let's say I'm MVP. Mm-hmm. If I pay for that 30-second ad my advertising's guaranteed, whereas I'm not guaranteed to have a player on lead card to get that advertising with True. the commentator readout. So that was one thing of where I don't know 
and this might play into his point of we're not there yet, quote unquote, of I don't know if it's directly affecting everyone's ad spend with the Pro Tour because if you pay for that commercial, you pay for that banner, that's guaranteed advertising. Even Discraft isn't guaranteed to have a player on lead card week in and week out. So they might be at Worlds where there's the most viewers you're ever going to have and no one's reading the name of their disc. Well, let me ask, let me, let me follow that up with this question. Because I think this is when I was talking about like all it's going to take is like one minute. Maybe suing the Disc Golf Pro Tour might be the wrong way. But like putting some pressure on them I think is definitely possible because watching coverage today, you can tell that Ian knows some of the players' discs better than the others. Right? Mm-hmm. And so with Ricky, for example, he might be calling out every single one of Ricky's discs because he knows them. But maybe with a, a Ben Calloway, who's, you know, someone that's not on the feature cards as much, or Ian hasn't filmed as much or whatever, he doesn't know his bag as much. So he's only going to say like nuke when he knows it's a nuke. And other than that, he's not going to call out any other disc. I think that's just going to cause problems because it's like, if you were doing it for every single disc, then it's kind of an equal playing field. But if you're mm-hmm. only calling out every single Innova disc and only a couple of the Discraft discs, I think eventually there's going to be a point where it, it becomes a problem. And um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there was, if there is some sort of law or some sort of rule in other sports coverages about like not talking about certain sponsors and stuff like that. Cause there like has to favorites. Like there has to be a reason why golf never set mentions anything about clubs. There has to be. Well, I wonder, I wonder part of it, uh, this, I don't know the golf side, but I'm thinking back to Las Vegas challenge, right? And the presenting sponsor. They're putting the event on, uh, they butted heads with the disc golf network at the beginning yeah. of the event because they had told the commentators, you can only, it's an Innova event. You can only say Innova players disc names. Yeah. So the you, first round, problem. if you watched it, yeah, if you watched the first round, they were saying overstable fairway driver for Paul and they're saying firebird for Ricky come round two, the pro tour put their foot down and said, no, you can say it for everyone. Um, the question that I think you're bringing up is did the pro tour really have the right to that when Innova's the presenting sponsor, Innova's paying all this money to be yeah. the only disc golf advert, only manufacturer advertiser at the event. And then on the commentary, the coverage that everyone's got watching, they're promoting other manufacturers within it, whereas it's the Innova main event. It would be like at the waste management event if they're like, the commentators are constantly talking about, uh, I don't know so, what another waste. I chose yeah, the absolute so, worst one I could have. I was going to say, so, <laughs> some, other, some other trash can company. <laughs> yeah, some other trash can company. I don't yeah. know another one. But you know what? You get the point. If they were all no, there's, throughout there's the commentary, be... they're constantly talking about someone else when it's the waste management open. You know what I'm You're, saying? I think that's where you might start getting people butting heads. Yeah, eventually there's going to be a problem. And it's just uh, to, to avoid the problem, just, just say what kind of disc it is. Don't say the actual name of it. Yeah, now the second point that got brought up um, that was talked about kind of the rest of the debate was more on the live post-produced back and forth. Um, And one thing that I thought was really good that got brought up and I wanted to get your opinion on is Jack mentioned where it's not the same product. Post-produced and live, they're not the same product. In my head, 
I think that's where I kind of struggle sometimes is because we've only consumed disc golf post-produced for so long and live is a relatively new thing. Uh, I view them almost as the same product. I view them both as coverage when he's right. They, they shouldn't be. So what I want to talk about and I want to get your opinion on is as live becomes the predominant way the disc golf coverage is consumed. Um, what is the home of post-produced in a live disc golf world? The home, what do you, you mean like where does it live? Like what, what purpose does post-produced serve 10 years from now when the only way to consume a tournament uh, like day after, week of is live? What do you see like post-produced? Is that still a thing? Where does it go? I mean, I think... I don't think it'll ever be, I don't think it'll be like what it is right now where you can sit down and watch like a 45 minute, every single shot from four different people with new commentary and all that stuff. I don't think that'll exist. Um, if I'm watching, if I'm watching something live, uh, I, I'm definitely not going to ever watch a post-production of it. Right. If I've already mm-hmm. seen it live. And if I happen to miss something and I wanted to kind of get uh, what the heck happened, then I'm just going to watch like a highlight package. I'm not going to sit down and want to watch. Like if something has already happened and I know the result, I'm just, I just kind of want to see like a little highlight of like, how did it get there? So similar to like, you know, similar to like if you, uh, you're a kid and you know, it's past your bedtime, you have to go to bed. You can't watch the rest of the basketball game. You're just going to watch Sports Center and see what the highlights were the next day to see how, how it ended up. You're not going to sit down and watch a 45-minute breakdown of every single possession. So I, I, I see that happening. And I think they can do different things too. Like if someone has – like Ricky's round today was really, really good, right? So they could have something where it's every single shot of Ricky's round and it's like an eight-minute video of just shot, shot, mm-hmm. shot, shot, shot. Like they can have stuff like that, but having a, having it like it is right now, I just don't see, I just don't see how that makes sense down the road. Just mainly because it, that kind of content isn't consumed in any other sport. Yeah. I mean, the only, one of the reasons I brought it up is how I started thinking, especially as Johnny V was talking as live develops, it's going to be a very different product than what we're receiving right now, because right now, People are right. We're almost receiving a very similar product in that we're seeing the lead card or the feature card mainly. We're seeing like their shots. Mm-hmm. It's just that the live version of it is drawn out over three hours or whatever. As the live develops to where, you know, it sounded like he was on the same page as you, where they're going to start covering more players. They're going to start using replays more to where you can go back and be like, this is how Calvin attacked this hole this morning. And you go back and you see that. And you see now you're getting coverage of, like, I think you were saying like 30 players. Like you might get different shots from 20, 15, 30 different players, but you're also getting the storyline of the lead card, especially in the final round. I think that develops into a whole different product to where, Post-produce might still be able to live on and provide the same thing it's providing today. Maybe it's a little bit more delayed. I think one of the things is, and we actually saw this with GK Pro. Uh, They were trying to put out same-day coverage, and the Disc Golf Pro Tour said, no, you can't do that. Um, I have a feeling that that's kind of the next step we're going to see, is next-day coverage is going to become two or three days after. Or maybe the Pro Tour is going to say, you can release your coverage of the event on Monday after the event's over. So, like round one, two, three, that can come out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or something like that. But I could see post-produced living on in the same world that it's living. 
Uh, because then if you want to watch the Paul Sexton Ricky card, that's the chase card or whatever, and you want to see all of their shots, you can do that on the post-produced card. But when you're tuning in live, you're going to see the shots that matter to the story. So you're going to see the shots that actually matter to the overall tournament. Whereas, you know, let's say Sexton round two just blew up. And so what's the point in showing him on live? Because he's not in the contention anymore. But you're a Sexton fan, so you really want to see his shots. Um, that was something that I've never really thought of before. But listening to Johnny V and to Jack kind of talk about them being two different products and the potential of live evolving, I started to be able to see kind of the home of post-produced if live can get to what live could be, which is a completely different product than post-produced to where both audiences can kind of coexist because it's no, no longer going to be one versus the other. They're, they're two different things. What uh, if, you, if you had something going on, let's say like you were at a wedding or something to where you couldn't watch the Duke-North Carolina game. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Well, first off, I'm faking sick to get out of the wedding. So I watch <laughs> but assuming that didn't work, I'm watching the like, game cast on SportsCenter, the shop, like, shop map. Okay. But the next day you're not watching like, a replay of the game? It depends on the game. It depends on the game. If it was a blowout... Probably not. If it's a blowout in Duke's favor, I'll watch the highlights. If it's a blowout in Carolina's favor, I'm not. But if it's a close last-second game, I never leave the house without recording an important game. So if it's a close, nail-biting game, I'll go back and watch the game. And you just fast-forward through the commercials? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll fast-forward through the commercials or possibly even like the first half if I know nothing yeah. really happened or something like that. That's where, that's where I see it being more is like if they uploaded – like the full broadcast on YouTube and you could like fast forward through stuff. I, I see that as being like used quite a bit. I feel like people would go back yeah. and watch stuff like that and fast forward through stuff, but so we'll see. We'll back see. in the day, uh, Steve Dodge was the head of the pro tour. And I think his idea was ahead of his time and just poorly executed, but I think it was a, a good idea. He was basically saying like, if you look at the lead card today, you have probably, I think, three or four Jomez cameras and three or four live cameras, all on lead card. Mm -hmm. So you have like eight cameras being used on lead card. So what Steve Dodge's idea was, was why can't we just use the live cameras, record on them, and use them for post-produce, so then that frees up four more cameras. Mm -hmm. So now those eight cameras aren't all being used to cover four people, but they can be used now to cover eight people, and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. Um, in doing so, he basically gave an ultimatum of join us, come under the Disc Golf Pro Tour, or you're not going to be able to record the Disc Golf Pro Tour. And that caused a lot of uproar because no one joined him, and then he didn't deliver a good product. But I think his idea in Root was pretty good. You know, we have the cameras for live. Why not record with them or even just take the stream and cut up to kind of give you every single shot you want to see because the cameras are there mm -hmm. uh, and use that as like a post-produced model. I think that's something we might end up seeing in the future because I've also agreed you've had the point multiple times where it all needs to come under the Disc Golf Network umbrella for simply for ad revenue purposes and mm -hmm. that all going back into the tour instead of whoever <laughs> it ends up going to, the companies that are doing it. Um, but I think that's a, a whole different topic that we would probably be on for hours and hours yeah. if we got there. That might be next week's topic of choice. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's something that we can we can prompt some people to bring up questions of live versus post-produced i feel like that could be a good oh, get some good love, uh people audience interaction heck yeah yeah 
All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's show. Hopefully you enjoyed. Um, let us know in the comments down below uh, what different topics you want us to touch on, either in the we're going to call like the pre and the post debate part of this mm. show. Um, or also, if you're wanting to be a part of the debate, be sure to stay tuned to Brody's Twitter and pay attention to when that's going live. Or hopefully we'll eventually be able to go live on YouTube and have a call in number. So it's a little bit easier, a little bit more accessible to people who might not have Twitter or know how to hop into Twitter spaces. Uh, also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, be sure to leave us a review. Let us know if you like the show, if you didn't like the show, or uh, ways that we can improve. We really appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and we will talk to you all next week week.